Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. Hey everybody, welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. Today we find ourselves in the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, which means we only have four weeks left before the entire Gospel of John has been completed by us, which that's pretty amazing. And this week we find ourselves in a really pinnacle, critical situation for Jesus. It's the week where he is betrayed and arrested. So in real time for him, it's just a number of hours before he is nailed to the cross. And so last week when we left him, he was finishing up with his disciples in the upper room. He was leaving them with last minute um, bits of wisdom and truth and guidance for them. And this week, um, we find him crossing the Kidron Valley. Now, if you read my email yesterday, it said that he was heading into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is something that we just know from the other Gospels. But John doesn't actually call it the Garden of Gethsemane. He says that Jesus crosses the Kidron Valley, which means he would have crossed the Kidron Brook or the Brook Kidron. And my goal this week is to try and tell you just a couple new little tidbits about this story, because I bet if you've been in church any amount of time in your life, you're pretty familiar with Jesus's betrayal, his arrest, his, um, his trial, his crucifixion, and so forth. So I'm trying to find little tidbits that would be new and interesting. And so something that I found out in my research for this week is that the Kidron Brook was a small stream that was actually kind of a drainage from the nearby temple because they were in Jerusalem. And it would have been a bit of a channel in which the blood of the Passover lamb would have gone, which means it would have been red with the blood of the lambs that had been sacrificed. And the irony of that, for Jesus to have to step over that as he was heading to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, it would have reminded him of his approaching sacrifice, seeing the blood of the sacrificial lamb wherein he is the the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And so as he's heading into the Garden of Gethsemane, which was named by name by Matthew and Mark, but not John, but we know that's where he was. We know that that's somewhere he went often with his disciples. It was a place to sleep. Um, He was sheltered in the olive trees and there was a nearby cave, I suppose, if there was bad weather. Um, The Gospel of Luke tells us that during Passover week, Jesus spent lots of nights with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and he inferred that he often met there, that this would have been not just a one and only time. He had been in a habit of going to this garden throughout the years. It was a very familiar place, which points to the fact that he wasn't hiding This is somewhere that Judas would normally be able to expect him. And yet Judas shows up with what they call a detachment of troops or a contingent of Roman soldiers. And if you look at what that actually means, it's a whole lot. 
It's like a whole big battalion and they came with lanterns and torches. It reminds me a little bit of the scene in Beauty and the Beast when all of the villagers grab their pitchforks and their torches and their lanterns and they're going to search for this scary, mean beast. Well, all these, this contingent of troops, this detachment of troops is coming because they're going to search out every corner and every cave. And what they didn't realize is that Jesus was going to be there in plain view. He was not there with any kind of swords or um, any military backing. He was just there waiting for them. And so as they approached him, he asked them, who are you looking for? Well, Jesus knew exactly who they were looking for, but he did this for a couple of reasons. First of all, he was wanting them to say that they were there for him, for Jesus of Nazareth, and not anybody else, because that means all the rest of the disciples get off scot-free. That's your cue to exit stage left. They're not here for you. They're here for me. But he also wanted Judas to say it. Say it. I know your evil intent, but I want you to say it out loud. Who are you here for? And when they say Jesus the Nazarene or Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I am. And in some translations, he says, I am he. Either way, He speaks as a deity. He speaks as someone with authority. In fact, it says that the soldiers stepped back, that some of them gasped because they were out looking for a fleeing peasant, not someone who spoke the language of a deity. In fact, eight other times previous to this in the book of John, Jesus referred to himself as I am. And remember, people in this day would be very, very familiar with Jewish law. They would be very familiar with how God speaks. And for him to say, I am, that's going to catch them, cause them to catch their breath. So Jesus basically hands himself over. And instead of being a retreat or an act of submission, These are words of authority. He is allowing all of this to happen. Now, if we take a pause just for a second and we think about the last sinless man who went toe-to-toe with the enemy in the garden, he lost. I'm referring to Adam. And I remember when I started some of my seminary classes, actually, it was um, one of my theology classes, a systematic theology class, where they referred to Jesus as the second Adam. And I'd never heard Jesus referred to that way before. But if you think about it, this is again, a sinless man in a garden going toe to toe with the enemy. And this time we know the enemy isn't going to win. It may appear very temporarily like he's getting his way, that death will be the victor, but we know the end of the story. And so Jesus agrees to go very willing, willingly Excuse me, with, with these soldiers and with Judas. And what happens? Here comes Peter. You got to love Peter. He comes 
sword flying and he must have come up behind because it says that he cut off the right ear of Malchus. Well, if you're facing someone, it would be very difficult to cut the ear off unless you were coming from behind. So it is thought that Peter came up behind an unarmed servant. Oh, isn't he brave? Not really. Jesus says to him, Peter, put your sword in its sheath. This is not what we're going to do. We are not going to, to fight these people. And a little interesting sidebar about Malchus, even though he was a servant to the high priest Caiaphas, the fact that he's mentioned by name indicates that he later became a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, according to uh, my Bible concordance, he would not have been mentioned by name. So the fact that Malchus had his ear cut off and then healed by by Jesus means he later at his in his life became a follower. So even though Peter appears like he's just Jesus's right-hand man, he's his best guy, he's his best friend, he's got him, we will see tomorrow that Peter's going to den- deny Jesus not one, not two, but three different times. We will pick up tomorrow with Jesus at the high priest's house. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five and you can connect with me there.